Welcome to the Sensei Postcast episode 44 and check this out new music new coat of paint in part one we're doing Indie 11 out of the 18 where we're touching on some changes at the post in part two we've got all of your FC Cincinnati news transfer rumors what was that Argentinian center back we were tweeting about at midnight and in part three we're going to touch on a little U.S. men's national team drama Burhalter out Sure, but maybe not this way. And that'll be your postcast, episode 44. To t- joining us, joining me, goodness, as, as if I do the, the, the intro with anybody else. No, uh, joining me to talk about all of that and more, we've got Grayson back this week. Grayson, how did it feel to have another week away from the pod? Well, I, I, I was able to spend that time meditating. Oh, good. And good. reflecting <laughs> and trying to like reach another plane of existence. And I didn't quite get there, oh. but I did have a voice uh whisper to me in the ether isaiah foster (laughs) 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 and uh you know it it, that at least that manifested for us uh this week yeah i think we got to give it up to you you uh you i i mean i don't want to do we say you called it i mean so, you got this close is a, to calling it. It's a, it's a verbal <laughs> meme. It's uh, Grayson as Obama putting the medal on Obama. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean the time the timing could not have been coincidental. Let's leave it at yes. that. Yes. No, that they, was, that was tweet, well done. And then the next day, Tom Bogert confirms that we've signed Foster has, has yeah. signed here. Oh, well done. And uh, Chief is here with us as well. Chief, uh, is there any uh, player signing you want to put out into the, the ether? Do you want to whisper a name for us? See if it can't pop up. Olivier Giroud. Sure. Why not? Get him on a TAM deal? Let's go, yeah. baby. Yeah. I, <laughs> the, the one thing I'll always remember about Olivier Giroud, despite having the most French name of all time, is he may be the biggest disconnect between what a player looks like and how he sounds in an interview of any major (laughs) soccer player I've ever seen, because he's this like strapping statuesque looking Frenchman. And then he talks like a Muppet, like very high pitched. (laughs) It's very strange. And it was very disconcerting the first time I ever heard him interviewed. So for that reason alone, I would just love to, to somehow manifest that into the ether this year. We have historically had good hair on this team. Very much so. And Giroud True. would fit right in with that. And I'll say this for him. He's gotten a lot of criticism over his career. The man does put the ball in the net. Oh consistently and everywhere he plays. Every single Chelsea fan I know has the same take, and that's I can't believe we got rid of Olivier Giroud. Because, of course, there are more talented, more athletic specimens you can sign with higher wage bills and better pedigree. Olivier Giroud, though, always delivers and we could use a lot more deliveries um and a lot less DiGiorno on the Chelsea roster right now (laughs) yeah um yeah I uh it comes down to who has them on the discovery list right kind of sort of like I know it's all a little wink wink nudge nudge but I don't know there was also speculation that on top of Ronaldo 
that Sporting Kansas City might also be in for Giroux. So keep an eye out on that one. I mean, I there. think isn't that like part of like your job as an MLS an MLS GM is just to always have always have that one guy where it's like I could see him possibly leaving. Like like back when like Willian was kind of washing out of Arsenal. It's like I just throw him on the discovery list in case he wants to do a victory tour in MLS <laughs> when he's still better than half the league. I uh, I don't remember how long the discovery list is. In my mind, it's always five names. I feel like it's a hard five. So yeah, you might. I think it's more. I think it's like choices. Seven. I think it's like seven. Is it seven? Okay. I don't know. Who knows? They might add one every time they add four teams to the league, just to balance it out a little bit, or take one off. I don't. I don't know. Seven players. Boom! There you go. Seven players. We were talking right before uh, recording that it is annoying that MLS won't publish GAM and TAM totals. Could you imagine publishing discovery right lists? Man, that oh, they should. Fun. That would be wonderful. <laughs> how how electric, be so fun. How electric would that be, honestly, though, that if you could go to every team in MLS on MLSsoccer.com and there would be like a green bar that would show how much TAM they have, a blue bar that showed how much, you know, GAM they have. And then all the players on their discovery list. So that you could just go and see what every team has in terms of resources and also like who every team is looking at to try and bring in on their uh, on their shitty, you know, European uh, we claim dibs list. I mean, like let fans <laughs> know that and then let those be tradable assets. It's like, oh, we've got so and so on the discovery list. We're going to go ahead and allow you to trade for that. But we're also going to give you some of our tricky Don fun bucks for that be electric content for like the off season and people love this off season, silly season, moving and trading things. The more tradable assets you can have as a sports league, the best, like what do people love about the NFL? You can trade draft picks, you can trade players, you can trade all sorts of shit. Just make everything in MLS tradable. Like if it's not nailed down in MLS, make it something you can buy and sell as a commodity and just make the league just a paradise for people that love the trade machine online and figure out like what the valuation is for a discovery right spot or an extra yes. mascot spot. That's like coast theorem or like we could call it something. We can call it like cap and trade. Like there's a salary cap and you put all of these assets <laughs> under the salary cap <laughs> and then you can trade the trade all of it uh, around the league. <laughs> now I'm imagining you get, bet MGM you get MGM to be the sponsor of this and you have a MLS GM Texas Hold'em tournament but they all are using their gam to gamble and somebody's walking away with you know 30 other teams you know 250,000 gam or whatever in the poker tournament <laughs> that would be incredible it would be incredible television i mean you could do you could do like the first couple rounds you know on youtube or something yeah and then you get the final table the feature throw, table. throw that up on apple tv plus <laughs> yeah you've got like you've got like real salt lake in orlando they're playing off on the side table but at our feature table We've got all the big market clubs, a lot of money. Like, look, we heard tell <laughs> little birdie told us that like the Apple TV deal, that clubs are responsible for producing all this content that they have to yeah. pay for now. But like, can you imagine if they all got together and said, yeah, we're going to hire the people that do like the world series of poker or the world poker tour to sponsor a tournament. That's a gam tam tournament. You could kill easy 
you know, what, 10, 15 hours of content just by doing episodic hour of content, GMs playing poker for MLS money. Oh my God. And you could have, you could have like guys like Annie up, like, yeah, and he'll throw in Elvis Powell too. Like, oh shit. Like, all of a sudden you push all in and Lucho Acosta and Brandon Vasquez are on the table quite literally for their contracts. Albright, Albright is pushing all in with pocket jacks. It's like, oh no. Oh my God. I, uh, yeah, I don't know who we have to pitch this to, but I think we need to get a, a hold of somebody. It's pitched. Yeah, it's, it's out there. It's, it's <laughs> with with Grayson's uh, you know, clairvoyance here. I think we, I think we may actually have manifested this. This is great. <laughs> well, <laughs> we do have some FC Cincinnati news to get to. Weirdly enough, in this episode, uh, but I think we're going to start off as if as if it wasn't already off the rails to begin with. With in the eleven out of the 18 here in part one. And um, I'm going to be selfish in multiple ways here. I am going to take it first. And second all, I'm going to talk about the post because this is uh, this is kind of an exciting week for the post. So in the 11, I'm going to put changes we've made to the post or at the very least some, dare I say, improvements to the post. It's It's been pretty exciting. So if you uh, didn't see it on Twitter or on the website, we have a Discord server now. That's exciting. So if you are a listener of the podcast and you want to get involved, want to... Uh, want to be a part of this uh digitally we, we've got a, a nice little community building there we uh yeah we're, we're talking about fc cincinnati we're talking about u.s men's national team drama everything in between uh it's a good time i would highly recommend you check it out if you are a fan of the post and the postcast and if you've made it this far in the podcast even i'm gonna go ahead and say you're a fan <laughs> so c- come on in you're exactly who we're looking for um I mentioned the uh, the link of the Discord is up on the website. We also revamped the website. I know it's the uh, the running gag here that we don't post any written content anymore, but actually, a sneaky amount of content has showed up on the website recently, and we uh, we've got a new look for the podcast, or no, for the for the post and right. the yeah, website. No, you're already ca- you're still calling it a podcast. No, it's shockingly it is a website. Still. No, it's a website that has a podcast. The podcast started to dominate a lot of time in the off season, <laughs> but we're back. Um, and uh, yeah, you would have already heard it here in the first part of the podcast. But yeah, a little, little fresh coat of paint on the podcast as well. Uh, some new music from Jim Trace and the Makers and. Uh, Chief, I missed this from you if you sent it over to me. Do you have any deets on Jim Trace and the Makers? Was there something we were supposed to be promoting for these guys? Yeah, they are uh they're playing uh their first show of the year on uh January 20th at Motor and Over the Rhine. And I Perfect. think that it, it, it's a fun story with them. It's a I'm glad we picked them as our our podcast music because many people don't know that. One of the original FC Cincinnati supporters groups kind of started as a way of promoting this band and then slowly (laughs) morphed into becoming a supporters group. So I've I've been talking with a couple of their members about coming on just to do a stupid off-season interview kind of thing, because it's either that or we talk about like childhood movies we liked growing up that are cult classics. And maybe people (laughs) would enjoy hearing someone else besides us instead of me 
try to convince you guys to watch the black hole. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm excited about this. This is good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been nice to, to see it come together and, and, and come along. And yeah, I think we've got plans to do more big stuff, uh, with the posts. So hopefully you stick with us and, uh, enjoy what we're putting out there. Um, and what I'm, what I'm most excited about, what I'm most excited about is that everyone, we all went out to dinner as a podcast to talk about like the future and what we're trying to do. Um, Sichuan chili in Evendale ask for the Chinese menu. You won't be disappointed. Um, Yes. And I'm, I'm happy to report that everyone here agreed that the loser of the MLS prediction contest will, in fact, be driving to the Inter Miami game in October by themselves. So <laughs> I think that's a that's really cool. And recording a podcast for all 15 hours that drive. Um, I appreciate you guys also all coming together to really provide that content for the listeners coming up later this year. I'm just glad I missed that episode. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're in it now. Um, no, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about the uh, about where we stand with the uh, with the post. And yeah, if you uh, if you have any ideas, suggestions, things you want to see, uh, I'd say reach out to us. But actually, I'll tell you, join the Discord and tell us there. And then you have to be a part of this. And so it's on a, fun on a, and exciting. On a scale of one to ten, how much was the reason that we opened the Discord up? Because you're terrified that Elon Musk is going to somehow just nuke Twitter. And we will have no ability to actually like tweet out episode links any longer. Eight out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a future proofing move. Um, yeah, I went ahead and built out like the channels and things and wrote up rules and whatnot. Like the first time there was a major outage, I was like, oh no, we, we don't really have a good way of getting the word out if if this all goes tits up. So <laughs> uh second question, will you, and this is a reference that only like I don't know, 15 people are going to get listening to this. Will you be making an effort to recruit Frosty to the uh, post discord? <laughs> Ooh, I wonder how much gamut would take to make uh, the post discord, the exclusive home of Frosty fanfic. Because uh <laughs> <laughs> I don't think his content can live on the post, but I think on the discord, if we can get him involved here, we can certainly chase off at least half the people that have signed up so far. <laughs> The uh, the eighteen plus channel may uh, may may be Frosty's domain. There is not one of those, by the way. To be clear, it's a fa fairly family friendly server. I mean, not not by design by any means, but <laughs> if Fro Frosty could could help us. Uh, I don't know, attract a new audience. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah, and if you don't know what we're talking about, God bless you. That's you're yeah. a better if, person for not if, knowing. If, if you don't know about it, <laughs> for the love of God, just don't you don't Google it. It's fine. Just enjoy your ignorance yep. that it's a tasty it's a tasty treat from wendy's and just move on <laughs> oh gosh and um <clears throat> i guess i gotta put something out of my 18 as well uh out of my 18 this is a very very specific complaint to me is mud uh i'm putting mud out of the 18 this week in my backyard we uh we redid the patio in the fall and the grass never grew back in around where the patio was redone. And the dogs have done nothing but track mud all throughout my house. My entire life from like October on has been nothing but wet swiffering my entire house. It's a uh, it's a real problem for me. I know this is very specific to me, but um, yeah, I'm very much very much not a fan of mud. If I 
if anybody has any solutions for covering the mud it's it's quite a bit of my backyard uh maybe i need to invest in a very large tarp but yeah mud's going out of my 18 <laughs> how do you feel about gravel could gravel possibly work its way into the 11 so we did have gravel the problem is with two little kids they like to pick up the gravel and throw the gravel into the grass and i'm always paranoid that i'm gonna mow over the gravel in shatter a window it's just it's a constant paranoia of mine i don't know if that's like i mean you want to accuse this podcast of being a dad podcast here you go but i'm i'm not a fan of uh of of the rocks in the grass so i'm i'm a hard out on that so um in addition to that is would uh out of your 18 also be our pal real snark lake who asked you to make in the 11 indie 11 because that's all he hears whenever we say this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, out of the 18, Indy 11. Uh, if I remember correctly, this, this is going to be real disparaging if I'm wrong. Uh, their owners are hardline Armenian genocide denialists. So something to look at there. Um, so yeah, we'll put them out of my 18 for that alone. <laughs> Jesus. As a kid who grew up listening to uh, System of a Down, as a red line for me. All right, you don't <laughs> you don't cross that line. <laughs> um, Grayson, do you want to go next? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> in my eleven is a uh, a new car for me. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Congratulations. Congratulations. Um, Ish. <clears throat> Yeah, so um so I live I live in the city and I live frankly um what I would venture to say is the best best neighborhood in the city. Um Ooh. but it has some drawbacks. Uh one of the drawbacks is most of the houses have street parking. There's some I guess pro- occasional property crime. Um <laughs> <laughs> the- We're narrowing it down here. <laughs> Every the, once um, in a while. <laughs> so the night, the night of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, bad, bad loss to the Bengals. Hey, um, hey, <laughs> hey! I, I got devastating home, loss. <laughs> I got, I got home and I pulled up uh, Facebook, and I had an alert from our neighborhood Facebook page, and there was a picture of an SUV, an SUV, um fully backed in to uh my car <laughs> and so, so and i mean like somebody had driven forward and like slammed on the gas in reverse to to slam into it well maybe a few people had been nicer to mr brady this wouldn't have happened <laughs> and uh yeah so they are still looking for who did it uh somebody stole a car and didn't do a very good job driving it yeah. Jesus. Um, the, so the best part is, so I, I talked to a neighbor who saw, who kind of saw the accident because they hit a few cars on our street, and I talked to a neighbor who who kind of saw it happen. And what she told me was that they like slammed in to the car, drove off like around like half a block, got oh, out gosh. and started running, and then they went back to the car to get a laptop that they had forgotten in the car. (laughs) (laughs) It's good for following the rules that you don't leave valuables in your car when you leave it sitting somewhere. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's another thing you don't do. You don't leave laptops 
uh, in your car uh, when it's parked on the street. So, you know, they pretty smart. Um, so anyway, I got a call from the body shop today and it's uh, most likely total. So <laughs> I get to, Jeez, I get to go car shopping soon. Oh, it's a great time so, to be car shopping too. It's not like interest rates are sky high <laughs> and that these chip supply has, you know, really gotten better recently. So will you be buying an electric vehicle? That's like, I feel like that's the question on everybody's mind right now. Yeah. Most likely not. You know, uh, noted electric vehicle owner, Knifey Lion Radio, vouches strongly for the Kia EV6, apparently, that his wife, the breadwinner, purchased. I'll I'll think about it. I mean, I'm not (laughs) against electric cars. Um, A hybrid, maybe. Maybe more our speed. Um, You're looking for a tiny city car, like a a hybrid Mini Cooper or smart car? So not a smart car, which I think those are discontinued, but um, oh, they, they're, they're on are, the used market for like eight grand. You can, you so, can enjoy yourself. So, you know, I, we do have to, we do have to parallel park. We have narrow streets and I'm hearing um, more and more reason to buy the smart car. Honestly, the street, our streets, our streets are not flat, let's say. So, you know, a small city car, uh, one that gets good gas mileage and, uh, one that I'm not going to cry about every time it gets scraped. So, um, so would, you, would, you, my would you be willing to, would you be willing to pay a little bit more, uh, so that whatever car dealership you buy it from would consider sponsoring the postcast so that maybe, you know, all of us can get wet the beak a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to anything really. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do an ad read for a, yeah. <laughs> for a car dealership. <laughs> yeah, here, here's Grayson on behalf of Mike Castrucci Chevrolet in Milford. <laughs> hey, I got a car here. It works. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> runs, runs just fine. They've only sold my auto loan seven times. It's right. going it great. Forward, forward, back. Uh, I don't, I don't take out loans for, right. for oh, cars. That's okay, another thing. Yeah. Mention <laughs> pr- promo code postcast to get a free tank of gas and a full cup of coffee from the showroom. <laughs> Mention the post at the gas station for uh for gas at three forty nine a gallon. Right. And free <laughs> whatever, whatever free else it says out there. <laughs> yeah, free squeegee. Oh, that made me think. I wonder if you could negotiate with a gas station some set price, like three bucks a gallon for gas for the year and just pre-buy it. <laughs> or you're just betting on something terrible happening later. <laughs> Well, apparently that's what the airlines do. And that's why prices mm-hmm. for like airfare don't fall and rise depending on what gas is, because they've already locked their price in early for the year. So if the price goes into free fall, you know, all of a sudden Southwest gets fucked, which is just sort of a running theme for the year. Mm. So probably that. <laughs> now I got to look into installing a uh, massive tank under my garage. We'll <laughs> just tour a bunch of gas. I'll buy it wholesale. <laughs> Uh, uh, Grayson, was that out of your 18 as well? I, I'm no, sure. that was in my 11. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if you were putting total in your car out of the 18. <laughs> no, um, out, out of my 18 is, uh, Nashville's black jerseys. Um, I can't believe people are so fucking gullible, man. It's like Nashville. It's like somebody shows you a black, a black t-shirt. And you're like, oh, that's a black t-shirt. But then they say, remember Johnny Cash? 
And then you're like, oh, that's the coolest black T-shirt I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, what if if Minnesota comes out with like a purple shirt, and they're like, remember Prince? Like, are we also all going to be like, oh, their their jersey is so much better than ours. It's so, oh. it's so cool. And that's not even like getting into the fact that like Johnny Cash doesn't have shit to. He has barely anything to do with Nashville. He's yes. got shit to do with um with soccer. So I know they have that. Uh, Johnny Cash Museum in Nashville, but that's got nothing yeah. to do with Johnny Cash or his family. That's just some rich guy bought a bunch of Johnny Cash shit and right. put yeah, it in a, a building and charges you to go look at it. It's a tourist trap um, right off Broadway too. It's not even like it's it's yeah. blatantly an attempt to cash grab based on oh, there's drunk people in Nashville that like country music. Everybody loves Johnny Cash here. You can look at some yeah. photos and some hats. And like like look, I I grew up on I grew up listening to Johnny Cash. Uh, my first concert uh, that I'm aware of attending was seeing Johnny Cash play at the Cincinnati Zoo. Um, wow, that's we, okay. Yeah, I, I need I, to hear more about that. I can't. I can't. Well, I I, I don't really remember it. I was like no. three or four. Oh. <laughs> um, so damn. Um, and you managed but, to not be uh, killed by a gorilla. I Congratulations. Of, I can't think <laughs> of an artist like, frankly with less to do with MLS than Johnny Cash. I mean, it's it's one of the most corporate leagues that you could think of. Um, I'm sorry, like so much of the stuff around it is like manufactured for conf- the purposes of conformity. Um, Nashville had that printed TIFO that was like Johnny Cash. They wouldn't even show flipping the bird. He's showing the Nashville SC... Uh, right. crest they replace his middle finger with the nashville <laughs> sc crest and i'm like i know you guys think you're like cool but <laughs> fc cincinnati What's... fans excluded mls fans by and large like the biggest karens you could possibly imagine <laughs> i mean they would see I, not not anybody listening to this podcast other people no, of course no not. other people um other people. Yes. So I imagine like most people in the nashville supporter section would see some guy working at the auto plant you know trying to build his car one piece at a time and they're calling the supervisor. Right. You know, they're like, <laughs> like, Oh, he took, he took a muffler. He walked, he get, he took a muffler home, you know, like, or, right. you know, I don't know. I Wasn't, mean, I'm not saying like I'm an outlaw or anything, but like Nashville today, it's like, it's, it likes to kind of people in Nashville like to harken back to like stuff like Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson and stuff. But Right. It's it's fucking Luke Bryan. No, it's it's also Nashville. Like your average Nashville resident has lived in Nashville since college. Like there's no one from Nashville in Nashville. Like fuck. Right. The last like two or three weeks, I don't know if you noticed it, but there was a shitload more Tennessee plates driving around Cincinnati because everyone was home for the Christmas from Nashville <laughs> that is relocated from Cincinnati. Like no one is actually from Nashville. You're not fucking country. You're from West Virginia or you're from Claremont County and you moved to Nashville because all your friends said it was really cool living down there and you can go get drunk on Broadway every weekend. There is no real Nashville culture anymore. It's just a bunch of fucking transplants and women that are still waiting in line to pose in front of the angel wings. Yeah, it's like they want to be associated with Johnny Cash, but what they do have is a Christian musician dressed like Jesus uh, playing guitar in the supporters section. Yeah, that that is Nashville. Like Johnny Cash, 
from Little Rock, Arkansas, helped create what was known as the Bakersfield Sound in California, most famous for recording in Sun Records in Memphis, and hated Nashville, as most of that sort of era, that genre of country music artists, the the outlaw country, hated Nashville. It was a necessary stop to make sure you didn't go broke. You had to go play for the Grand Ole Opry crowd and and collect a paycheck and then carried on. So it's like it's it's, yeah, it's one step better than Branson, Missouri, is what it is right now. Right, like it's it's trash. It's Las Vegas for people that are too cheap to buy a plane ticket. It's the worst. It's I firmly believe Nashville is one of the worst cities in all of North America. It is pretending to be every single thing that it is, and it's bad at every single thing it's pretending to be. It's not fun. It's not cool. It's not chic. You're not interesting for moving to Nashville. Your friends that move to Nashville are not cool. You shouldn't envy them. They're the worst people imaginable. They're people that don't want to move to Chicago after they graduate from Miami because it's too cold up there. Fuck Nashville. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely there's absolutely no value add to Nashville. I mean, None. you can have a good time in Nashville, but you have a good time in Nashville the same way you have a good time in every other city. By and yeah. large, the stuff peculiar to Nashville sucks. Yeah. Like, you know, do like, you go, like I mean, Bud you Light? see a nice yeah. show at the Opry. That's that's yeah. cool. But it's but the Opry's like out in the fucking suburbs in the middle of nowhere. You know, drive right. all this time, you stay at a Ramada Inn that's 40 minutes from downtown for $40 a night. Right. It's <laughs> shitty New Orleans is what it is. Right. Right. Oh, God. Uh, well, God bless you if you're uh, <laughs> from Nashville, you're listening. Um, no, fuck you. If you're, fuck, <laughs> no, if you're actually from Nashville, you have my respect. If you're just living in Nashville right now and somehow think that's a personality, fuck you. <laughs> the personality Perfect. of Nashville is... Uh, Ben Shapiro standing outside of Home Depot, proudly holding like a random piece of wood to own the liberals for some reason. A piece right. of wood for what eight dollars I think he bought the, it for. The yes. best piece of culture to come out of Nashville in the last 10 years is there was a dude uh who ran a hot dog stand on Broadway where you could get a two dollar hot dog or a one dollar bottle of water, and he would just sit there into a megaphone and rap about his $2 hot dogs and $1 water, and then eventually <laughs> produced a rap song based on that. $2 hot dog, $1 water, and it's electric. <laughs> if you're going to look up one thing as a result of this podcast, look up the $2 hot dog, $1 water, where somehow a rap song about selling hot dogs also includes references to um, Harry Potter. So there you go. Oh, that's... Now I know what I'm Googling after this. Yeah. $2 hot dog, $1 <laughs> water. Oh, well done. Well, well done, Grayson. That's that was a good out of the 18. That was great. Chief, what do you got for us? Top that. All right. In the 11, I've got bridges because we are getting oh. a replacement for the Brent Spence bridge that finally, after my entire adult lifetime, people saying that the Brent Spence bridge needs to go after it catching on fire, after it wearing like a giant condom while it was being repainted, um, <laughs> after having low-key one of the best parody Twitter accounts created about it, finally we're getting a new Brent yes. Spence bridge. And Joe Biden and Mitch McConnell themselves showed up in Cincinnati to have a press conference about it. And this is all going to be so funny when the bridge still doesn't get built 
And five years later, we're still talking about why we don't have a replacement for the Brent Spence Bridge. It's a cycle in the city that I love that we're always so close to starting the new Brent Spence Bridge. And somehow it never actually happens. But it seems like as we sit here today recording on Wednesday, January the 4th, we are going to have another new bridge going across the Ohio River. And I'm just excited. I like bridges. I like bridges. Bridges connect people. Bridges build community. Bridges are great metaphors for just life. And God damn it, we're going to have a new one. And that's exciting. What, what's, what say you? I'm going to slap a sticker on it when it's done of uh, Brandon pointing to it saying, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they got to call it that, right? They got to call it the Let's Go Brandon Bridge. Like the- yeah, the Brandon Bridge. <laughs> or Brandon's Bridge. <laughs> Brandon's Bridge. <laughs> Let's go bridging. Yeah, no, this and is that good. Would, that right. would also keep the bridge from having too much traffic because people would be like, fuck that. I ain't driving across the Brandon Bridge. I'm going across, I'm going across the bridge. I'm going across the Big Mac Bridge like an American. Yes, my drive to the airport's going to be so, so much nicer. <laughs> I do find it funny. I don't think the plan is to replace the bridge, right? It's just to put another bridge next to it. No. It's great because they're going to put the, this bridge next to the ben, Brent Spence Bridge. And then I'm looking forward to in another 50 years, this bridge will need to be replaced. And we'll just keep building more bridges down the road <laughs> until the entire river is over is covered over by bridges. And then we can connect the bridges to one another and people can live on the bridges like some fucked up dystopian Blade Runner civilization that exists between <laughs> Ohio and Kentucky, but like owned by neither one. It would be great, Ooh. though, to have all these decoy bridges in case, like, a Bane shows up. Because <laughs> he like, blows up the bridge, and you're like, oh, no, not, not that one. Anything oh. but that one. <laughs> oh, God, we're, we're trapped if we want to cross at this exact spot, not five minutes down the road. Right. <laughs> Cincinnati will be World War II bomb-proof. You know, they can't well, they can't knock out our critical infrastructure. <laughs> like did, did you see that there was this like batshit plan that Saudi Arabia released about like a year ago or 6 months ago where they were just going to build a city the, um, that yeah, that was like a it was a straight line. line. It was like a straight like, line. Like a two block <laughs> wide line that would just go across the <laughs> desert. And I'm imagining that if you built the bridge uh, bridges across the Ohio, oh. you could have like the ultimate city that just runs along the Ohio River. And then like all the true Cincinnatians can relocate to that spot because once again, we are forming our own like single spot. We're not we're not comfortable in Ohio. We're not comfortable in Cincinnati. <laughs> we're living actually above the river on this like series of interconnected bridges and waterways. <laughs> and then when global warming yeah, floods the entire heart. world, you know, we'll be on the bridges that are over top of the ocean It'll level. Be above it. <laughs> isn't, isn't the lyric of the song like my home is on the river? <laughs> yes, literally now. <laughs> I do like the idea that, uh, Chief, you've proposed capping the Ohio River before Fort Washington Watch. Way, which I think is good. <laughs> oh, Chief, I, I can imagine what you might be putting out of the 18, but, but I, yeah, I don't want to guess. Out of the 18 is functioning government. Um, oh, okay, good. <laughs> as, as we sit here right now, um, so all these great plans about like having bridges all up and down the river, that's all well and good. 
But like, apparently we can't elect representatives that will have a simple majority vote. And I think we're on like ballot six or ballot seven that we don't have a speaker of the house. So I want to declare right here. Um, if Greg Landsman or um, anyone else is listening to this right now, because I know he's a big listener of the podcast. What up, Zach? Um, of course. I am <laughs> ready, willing, and able to serve as Speaker of the House. I'm going to list my qualifications here. Um, I have a podcast, which I think in the right-wing media sphere, like really puts you up there in terms of your ability to communicate directly to the Move voters. Up. I am not beholden to the lamestream media to get my takes out there. Number two, I'm a known troll online. Like I, you know, I, I am well known to just troll people that I don't like. Um, I am not going to, I am not going to be coward. I am not going to be told what to say or what to do. Um, yeah, I, I'm in to serve. And I think that like, what do you do as Speaker of the House? You stand there, you call a vote, you bang a gavel every so often. I have a copy of Robert's Rules of Order because that's a normal thing for an adult man to have. So I'm already halfway <laughs> there, I think. Um, so, uh, so Greg or, um, you know, who's the dude, the foot doctor? What's his name? Um, Brad Wenstrup. Yeah. If you're, li if you're listening, I am the compromise candidate everyone can get behind. So I am declaring it chief for speaker. Holla at your boy here. <laughs> I mean, you can't be any worse than anybody else I've seen's name <laughs> floated. I mean, let's let's go. Um, <clears throat> I do worry about you being speaker and the chances of pro rel becoming real. I feel like that's a real damper on the pro rel for USA movement. Now, the it's only gonna, reason I, the hurt. only reason I want this is I want to start grifting people on a national scale and like this the postcast. <laughs> I love it. But like, no, there's no better way to grift people than being in power and in government. And yeah, no, I'll take a meeting with the pro rel people, but it's going to cost you some some dinner. It's going to cost you like a bag of something like I'm going to make it my pledge that if I'm elected speaker, I will take every bribe, every <laughs> single bribe. And that, if you're listening out there and you're like, hey, will he take my bribe? Yes. Yes. Yes, I will. <laughs> Speaking of bribes, I can confirm something Kevin said earlier on the podcast. Um, oh, yes. Oh, no. Indy 11, please. Indy please. 11 owner Ursul Osmadir um, lobbied heavily in 2019 against the resolution condemning the Armenian genocide. I knew um, it. <laughs> the resolution passed the House 405 to 11. Wait, hold on, hold on. I can tell you. Four? I can tell you who voted. I can tell you who voted on the wrong side of this. Can I? Can I take a guess? Would it be Congresswoman Jean yeah. Schmidt from the Ohio Second District? She was no longer a Congress Congresswoman oh, in 2019. That? <laughs> uh, but that was that was like a big issue in the Second District for a while. Um, but actually, four of the 11 uh, representatives who voted against it were from Indiana, including Mike Pence's brother. Huh. So. All right. So if you're listening, does... if you're part of the Indy 11 front office, I will take your bribe, too. I will take anyone's bribe. <laughs> we, we can reopen the history books and, and sort out looking, winners and losers. We're looking for sponsors. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do an ad read. Right. Look, you know. the, the line between spot. Right. The line between the line between sponsor and bribe is so thin. It's so thin. I don't look at them as people that are bribing me. I look at them as people that are paying and sponsoring the content that I provide. 
and the content being votes and the ability to bring bills to the floor for consideration, just content. It's all content. We are a content-driven society. And as the Speaker of the House, I will provide that content for everyone. I'm going to need you to tear up a lot of State of the Union speeches while you're there. That's, that's good I content. Will, I will rip anything the fuck to shreds. <laughs> I'll wear a costume at the State of the Union. I will do what if you're paying me. It, it's, like, it's like Winston and the Ghostbusters. If there's a steady paycheck involved, I'll believe whatever you want me to believe. All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna go around the horn real quick, um, and this could be really dated content by the time this releases. Who will be the next speaker Please. of the house? Wrong answers only, Grayson. Oh, wrong Ooh, answers only, Jeremy Renner. All right. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hope he. I, I think he's. Do, I think he's doing okay, actually. So, <laughs> um, I'll go with Mike Lindell. Ooh, pillows. I like that. I mean. He won't get it, but he'll get close. <laughs> right. All right. My dark horse candidate is Jeff Birding. I mean, think about it. <laughs> think about it. He was a he was a charterite, I believe, when he was on city council. So it's a it's a compromised candidate. He has gotten not one, but two stadiums built in this city. You want to talk about delivering on infrastructure? That's Jeff Birding right there. I'll even just say three. Three, argue, the Red Stadium too. They were. Package, I'd argue three because that's the same stadium tax built Great American. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he uh, he is running a soccer program right now. That's global. That's international. I saw the man over in Africa. He's worldly, meeting with international leaders and whatnot. He has a direct access to money from Uncle Carl, Jeff Birding for Speaker of the House. Because what is the Speaker of the House? They just have to kind of be the villain. Like, is there ever a Speaker of the House that people like? Like nobody like Newt Gingrich, nobody like Dennis no. Hastert, nobody like John Boehner, nobody like Nancy Pelosi. They're just these cartoon character villains where it's like, blame the Speaker of the House for the fact that government is dysfunctional and gerrymandered all the fuck. Who loves being the villain more than Jeff Birding? <laughs> I mean, for all those same reasons, he should be actually MLS commissioner, which <laughs> we can talk about at another time. But just designed to take bullets for other people yes that's that's what a commissioner does <laughs> oh there we go well hey there we have it solved jeff jeff birding to the next speaker of the house why not and maybe uh maybe mls finally gets gets to move up the rankings if that happens um should we talk about fc cincinnati has it has it gone on long enough that we talk about fc cincinnati let's do it <laughs> All right, let's jump over to part two. We'll give a, an update on FC Sensei. Quite a busy week for FCC, so let's talk about it over there. We're back, and we're talking FC Cincinnati, which would surprise you if you listen to the first part of this podcast. No, we've got we've got a lot of FC Cincinnati news to talk about. Uh, Grayson. Where do you want to start with this first? Uh, there, there's a couple of different ways we can go. Ooh, um, well, let's start with the signing that yeah. I would say I would count a Tom Bogert tweet as a, a, a signing being announced. Yeah. Yeah. So um, FC what, Cincinnati what signed a Bogert bomb or a bogey bomb. What do we call that? What's the official designation for that? Yeah, I just called a bogey. A bogey. A bogey. <laughs> caught, a, caught a bogey on, on bogey on the six. There's a bogey on, you saw bogey on Twitter today. Um, it was uh, Isaiah Foster. He's a left back, 19 years old, played last year. 
um, actually played uh, all up the left side for Colorado switchbacks, left wing, left mid, left back. Um, he's an interesting guy because he eschewed the typical, you know, college generation Adidas, or I don't know if he was ever, I, I, I'm not sure exactly what all of the background of that was, but he decided to sign a, a, a USL contract right away, yeah. which allowed him to skip the super draft, which I would think gave him a little bit of more uh, market power because after his one year deal was up with Colorado, he was more or less free to sign wherever he wanted. Um, so I'm curious if he has like a, a little bit of a higher salary than some of the, than your typical um, rookie. But yeah. there were rumors in June that he had MLS interest, but there was also rumors that he had interest abroad out of, out of Germany. So this seems like a guy with potentially a lot of upside. We know we needed left back depth. He sounds like more of a true left back than um, Alvaro Barreal. I confess uh, that I have not been what I did not spend my year watching Colorado switchbacks. So <laughs> how uh, dare you? Why are you even on this podcast? <laughs> so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, but I, I think this, this on paper seems like a, seems like exactly the perfect signing um that yeah. uh that 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 we would want to see uh at this point would i mean obviously we haven't watched this guy but profile wise would you expect him to be better than johnny nelson he's younger than johnny nelson yeah um yes. and he's gotten you know johnny johnny nelson was more of a usl player than an mls player when he joined us yeah um because he had missed time with injury and most of his playing time that he actually had was in USL. Yeah. Um, so this guy's younger. Um, he clearly had enough comp confidence to bet on himself in the open market. Um, I think it'd be a lot to expect him to be, let's say, a better defender than Johnny Nelson, like right out the gate. Like day you know? one. Yeah. Yeah. But but this is one that I think I would say is a bigger type, you know, bigger potential kind of player than yeah than Johnny and that's no slight on Johnny. No, 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 that's great. Yeah. And Johnny was one of those guys that, yeah, signed a generation Adidas contract and <clears throat> had done okay with Dallas. So it's kind of interesting that they, they probably starting off in their career had similar ish trajectories and one went the classic MLS route and, uh, uh, the other went betting on himself in USL. But with, with this signing in particular, it's important to note, he's one of the, few people that is a rising talent in the usl mm -hmm. that is signed to an independent team and like you got to remember that a lot of these usl teams have development deals and deals with mls teams so he was playing on an independent team like truly betting on himself um not part of a system not part of an academy not part of some other greater structure so the fact that he was out there and available to be signed i think is it's interesting. And there's some connection between what was he on switchbacks? I think, um, where we got him from. Yeah. 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 They're, they're, their coach or their GM or somebody, there's a Philly connection there. I think that, um, would have been, yeah, that would have been possibly someone where Albright might've gotten some really good Intel on how good this kid is and where he is in his development cycle that you kind of like to see, if that's the case, Albright leveraging those connections that he has to try and find guys where it's like, okay, 
maybe this is a person where we can buy low and replace Johnny Nelson or replace somebody with a lower lower value contract, but with someone that has some higher upside to it. Um, no, for sure. And actually, they're USL, not unlike MLS, a couple of years ago, basically right when FCC law, uh, left, lost, left, uh, when they left, USL doubled down on development academies. So basically all of the the big USL teams have development academies and actually has started to slowly but surely pay off. Another name that came up at Louisville was uh, Joshua Widener. He actually was up for U.S. Soccer's Young Player of the Year award in, I think, this year. Uh, and he's someone that has attracted quite a bit of interest overseas. And yeah, just he, he is an entirely Louisville product, came up through their system. So, I mean, this is this is the benefit of having a healthy lower division. Um, but, Grace, I wanted to ask you this. I know MLS is you know, dead set on teams not bidding against each other for players, how do USL players get allocated to MLS teams? Is it truly, I mean, is it truly Wild West? Could we have been in a bidding war with Philadelphia or or someone else? I I don't know exactly how they how they allocate that. Um yeah. I don't know if it's something where um I I I, I assume you have to put him on the discovery list because I think Anybody who's mm-hmm. outside of MLS um, needs to be put on your discovery list to to uh, sign him. But I don't know if maybe he wasn't on anybody's discovery list, so you can drop Damn. off and, and and replace. Or maybe we'll find out that we paid some money. Or maybe he was on a discovery list, you know, when he signed for Colorado because he was apparently known to the Philly staff. Um. Right before, before Albright um, came over, uh, I w- I would not be surprised though, and I have no information like really to believe this, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like yet another time where we have to pay some money to DC United because <laughs> um, somehow because I think he came out of the DC area and I think he came oh, in this, yeah. out of the same youth program as um, uh, Bill Hamid. And uh, Joe Jow. Okay. Man. Like, yeah. Yeah. Is it like a, I mean, I could see it being a territory rights thing. I don't know if home, they still do I, that. They're trying to make him a homegrown, though. Right. And he, I don't think he was ever in DC's academy. Okay. Jeezel. I would not um, be surprised if he takes up a senior roster spot. Yeah. You think he'd get paid, paid that much? Is that what that designation would be then? Yeah. I mean, I assume. If if he legitimately had interest elsewhere, whether that yeah. was in MLS or in in Europe, I'm not saying he's like a I don't, by I don't think by any means he's a high dollar player, but yeah. like to be on the supplemental reserve roster, you got to be on minimum deals. I wouldn't be surprised if he's got more of like a Kyle Scott deal, which is still not a lot of money, but enough that you have to be of, up on the senior roster. Yeah. Would make sense. Um, <clears throat> and he will be backing up, I think is fair to say at this point, Alvaro Barial, who has re-signed with FC Cincinnati. Now, there's there's some fun contract shenanigans to get into on this one, but Chief, you excited to see Barial come back? 
I'm excited to see Barrio come back. I think he was already had his option picked up anyway. And what this does was I think it added a couple of option years. I think Laurel was reporting that, that it was, they yeah. probably gave him a little more money or restructured how the money was being given to him. And then gives them some flexibility to pick up some option years for him where, yeah, no, he, it's, it's a cool story. Um, I think it's a good, va- it's a good value to have Alvaro around, but just, I think it's neat that he was a guy where we were at roughly this time last year, or we would have been if we'd have been recording when we were all still, you know, talking about this, that we didn't really see where Alvaro's role was in this projected diamond midfield that we all assumed Albright and Noonan were going to want to play. And somewhere along the way, Alvaro made himself indispensable. And that's kind of cool. And we'd seen flashes of it before under the Yapstam regime. And he went and got really consistent and got really good at being someone on the field that you could rely on to provide good touches, to provide good distribution, and to make the team more threatening going forward. And yeah, all, all I really have to say about it is good for him is that it's what they always tell athletes and, and people. It's like, go out there and prove you belong. And I don't know what Albright's thoughts were on him or how they plan to deploy him. I don't think he envisioned him as an, as a starter or someone getting regular minutes when the season started, but he went out there and balled yeah. out and it's, it's well-earned, well-deserved. And I don't know, hopefully, hopefully it continues. And we're in a position where we're picking the option up and having hard decisions about whether or not we need to ship him off somewhere, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Grayson <laughs> Is this his second contract as a U22 player? What's happening well, that, here? That, seem, that seems to be the real question. Um, <laughs> I, I have no idea. Um, it would seem to me that if you could just add option years to somebody's contract or just add extra years to their contract, that's a new contract. So they're on their, their second deal. Um, so when, when New York Red Bulls traded for Frankie Amaya, they gave him a new contract, but the new contract didn't kick in until after his generation, his last guaranteed generation of this year. So they were okay. able to take advantage of that roster mechanism for one season before he got a raise on a new contract. Um, I would think you could do something like that with a U22, but that's obviously not what happened here because right. there's no guaranteed years after 2023. So maybe they gave him a bigger raise for his option years in order to add another option year. And maybe for some reason, MLS said, since you didn't make any changes to the guaranteed term of his contract, he is still on his first contract this year. Right. But we'll deem him on his second contract when you exercise the option after the Next season. Year. Yeah. Um, and, you know, since it's only an extra I'm not clear. I'm not sure if he already had an option for 2024 or not, but since, since um, it seems like it's only adding an extra year to his contract and you can expect him to get probably a pretty hefty raise during one of those option years. If not, if not both, it feels like a contract you structure to keep the player under team control for a little bit longer so that you can get, maximum value out when you transfer. you know tr- out of out of trade out of a trade or yeah. a sale but based on the roster construction right now i wouldn't say a trade or sale 
is obviously imminent. You yeah. know, because so it, it, the, the yeah. team is set up right now for me, it, for me looking at the roster, obviously any of it can change, but for me, the team is clearly set up still to play three at the back with Alvaro starting as a left wing back. Yeah. Even if you add another center back, I think the team is still set up that way. Yeah. They need a lot more midfield help, I think, if they're going to move to a back four, maybe a more defensive outside backs than they have in Powell and uh, Barriel. Yeah, and just to be clear about that, Barriel was and still is kind of a U22 initiative player, which means the cost of his transfer fee does not count against our salary cap. Only a salary up to $200,000. Grayson, feel free to correct me if I've got any of this wrong. Um, And that's based on a contract that they signed when they are 22 years or younger. And it lasts the duration of that contract. So that could go beyond them being 22. But as we discussed, once you sign a second contract, you lose that designation. Now, if they're a homegrown product or a draft pick, they can yeah, keep super that designation pick, yeah. uh, in the second contract. You still have and to be. Where, yeah, you still have to meet the age requirements when you sign the second contract. Yeah, if you sign the so, second contract, like yeah. when you're 23, you that you lose the benefit of keeping because you can keep the U22 designation until you're 25. Right. That's right. Um, if you're if it's your first contract that whole way, and you never make more than the maximum salary budget charge in salary, yeah. um, the the another thing in the background that I've been kind of thinking about, and I don't know if it if it matters or what's going on, but typically, um, transfer fees amortize over the guaranteed term of a contract yeah. um, with like, I think a minimum of three years. Yeah. So Alvarez been on the team for two and a half seasons, but this was an option year. Yeah. So I, I feel like his transfer fee should be off the books. Yeah. So if, we, so the only benefit yeah. we get from the U 22 designation is the budget charge is not his full salary. It's only $200,000. And his salary is somewhere in 300,000 range. Yeah. It's like the high, high three. So um, if, if they wanted to bring another U 22 designation player and they wanted to spend, you know, two, three, $4 million, you don't need, Alvaro doesn't need the designation. You can fit in just as a, as a gam player on the roster budget. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, so between that and, I mean, I guess we have until February 25th, but the potential of buying out of uh, Isaac Atonga's contract, FCC could have two U22 initiative spots open, assuming nothing radical changes with our DPs. We've got to figure that's the move, right, at this point, buying out Isaac Atonga. Like, there's nobody else on the roster that in terms of, like yeah, is Kenneth Vermeer still under contract? Yeah, but like I think he's probably only on an eighty thousand or a hundred thousand dollar deal. Like it's not a yeah. big deal, I don't think. And I don't know what Kubo's number is. I assume it's probably pretty big. <laughs> but like Kubo at least provides value yeah. on the senior team where he provides minutes. And I think that there's a reality where Kubo could be useful. Whereas Atanga is legit dead weight. And if they could flip that roster yeah. spot into anything that's worthwhile. 
it would be a huge boon for the team, I would think. So, yeah, you could potentially see two U22 initiative spots open up, say, for the summer uh, for Albright to play with. I mean, you could see two multi-million dollar transfers in if they've got the targets lined up. That's pretty exciting, uh, especially for a team that uh, feels almost complete. I think everybody would agree at least another center back, at least another uh, midfielder, and then you can bicker about from there but I mean, this team is is coming together the core is pretty well established there they need that starting center back they need, they need the yeah. starting center yeah, yeah, back yeah. yes yes that, where have i heard, where have I heard this story sure. before yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and i you know for mls free agent center backs are getting snatched up um it, there was news the last couple of days and sorry kevin to jump around a little no, bit but please, since you mentioned please. it um there was news i think yesterday um that Alexander Callens is officially not going to be re-signing with NYCFC and he's mm-hmm. entertaining offers, you know, here and abroad. Um, he would be, he would be the gem of yeah. this MLS free agent class. Um, but there's going to be a fairly robust competition for him. And yeah. unless you get some type of exemption from the free agent rules, the raise he can get in MLS is not that high. And he can pr- right. so he can maybe get more money out of out of Mexico or yeah. if Europe wants to give him give him another shot. So my feeling is, and I think we share this because we've we've talked about this, but it seems like if we're gonna get a starting center back, it's gonna it's most likely gonna be some type of international transfer in. Yeah, it's the only th- it's the only thing that makes sense. And honestly, like Miazga is now the Jeff Cameron in the situation where he is the person with experience playing in the league. Um, he is your domestic center back to pair with probably I would expect them to go down to South America and go pick someone up. That's probably around the same age as Cameron was when he signed here. Um, get like an older, more experienced center back. Pair him with Miazga, and like just, a Federico Fernandez. Maybe a Federico Fernandez might be a might be a name <laughs> to keep an eye on there. <laughs> I didn't want to name names. If y'all want to sound smart and do that, you know, it's on you. Well, we've already uh, we've already tweet we've already twat it. So twat the, it. the the post the post is on this. No, we uh, we have reason to believe there is interest. Am I allowed to say mutual interest? There's certainly interest with uh, Federico Fernandez. Uh, we tweeted about this. Yes, at the stroke of midnight as 2023 came to the <laughs> East Coast, uh, we were the very first 2023 player rumor for FC Cincinnati. We did it. Eat your heart out, since he's soccer talk uh, <laughs> no he's uh 33 he'll be 34 i believe next month uh he's one of eight or nine players uh argentinian players who've made over 150 appearances in the premier league uh, he's six months removed from uh uh from playing for newcastle united here like he's he's doing well and he's apparently mutually terminated his uh his contract with his team in spain so so there you go. Keep an eye on him. Other than that, uh, FC Cincinnati, that'll cover it. Uh, I think that's good. Oh, Salim right Adams now. finally came to the country. Salim <laughs> Adams finally. Well, we signed him last year. Is that the case? I'm told it yeah, was we signed visa. Him last year. He had visa issues. Okay. Visa issues. Apparently, apparently uh, in the DMs was told that uh, 
sometimes getting out of Africa is a little difficult in terms of people not exactly being forthright with what is and is not a real job offer. So um, had to go and uh, there had to be some work done by the team to actually prove he is in fact being signed. So I believe he is headed for FC Cincinnati too, but he was one that was signed, I think with the intent of promoting him to the first team if he did well. So that'll be one to keep an eye on. Maybe a reason to watch MLS Next Games on that uh, Apple subscription. Okay, now we're going to head on over to uh, part three, U.S. men's national team drama. We're going to touch on it, and then we're going to head out of here. That'll be your postcast. Let's get over there. Let's go ahead and talk about the Hatfield and McCoys of U.S. men's national team. We're back into the juicy bits usa has finally made it as a footballing nation as we have we've arrived high level infighting of our our first families of soccer (laughs) this is this is a a joke this is this is what this is what means we have made it is that we have we have parents of players who are related to national team coaches who are related to people that are in U.S. soccer, causing drama, spreading rumors, um, blackmail, <laughs> allegations of violence and abuse, corruption oh. at the highest level. This, this America is a sign that we have made it as a soccer-playing nation, that the palace intrigue is now a bigger <laughs> deal than the actual results on the field. Or player or January camp? Who gives a fuck? This is content <laughs> right here. I mean, that is that was my first concern was how does this impact Brandon Vasquez and Matt Miazga getting called up to Camp Cupcake? <laughs> and I mean, at least we forget Miazga said that there were things about Greg Berhalter that he didn't want to talk about. So there may be more to this. Uh, I'm assuming that's just he doesn't get a fair shake from the coach. But well, give it, give so it a I reset. Mean, give it a reset, Kevin. Tell everybody what's going on here yes. before we. Yeah, yeah we, so, we should absolutely do that. No, please, so Grayson. I think so. I think we can stick to like at least for the for the table setting. Stick to things that are like just. Basically, yes. like undisputed, just as yes. dry as possible, right? <laughs> okay, so U.S. Soccer puts out a statement. Oh, let me let me back up even further. Greg Berhalter, uh, head coach of the men's national team, his contract with the federation expired December thirty first. Uh, there's been no news since then, which is kind of expected. Uh, U.S. Soccer always takes this time to sort of review the contracts anyway. Um, but keep in mind, Greg Berhalter is out of contract. Uh, as we have no Speaker of the House at time of recording, we have no U.S. Men's <laughs> National Team head coach at time of recording. Okay. Uh, U.S. Soccer puts out a statement Greg Berhalter that for says, speaker? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe. Um, U.S. Soccer puts out a statement that on December 11th, the Federation was approached by an individual or individuals, I forget exactly how the, the press release stated that, uh, with information essentially trying to blackmail head coach Greg Berhalter and other assistants, which is the piece of this that has we have not gotten further into. Um, 
That's all we are told. Uh, I'll just note uh, it was an interesting coincidence, and Grayson, you were the first one to flag this. That was the exact same date that The Athletic and I think a few other outlets published the story that uh, Gio Reyna was uh, disciplined in camp for a lack of effort. Uh, I'll leave it vague like that. Some of the details have been disputed by players and coaches. Um, but the the bare bones of that seem to hold true no matter what. Then. Uh, the next day, it has come out from U.S. Soccer. Oh, and Greg Berhalter, sorry. Yesterday, uh, at the, the same time as U.S. Soccer's statement came out, he says that the the attempt to blackmail him was to bring up an event from his past when he was in college. He had a college girlfriend. They got in an argument outside of a bar, and he kicked her in the shins. They broke up. Uh, he talked to his family about it. He apparently sought counseling, talked to her family about it. Uh, and a few months later, she reached back, back out to him. They rekindled the relationship. And that person has been his wife for 30 years now. So it, I, I won't judge the relationship, but I would suspect it was it was mended at some point in those 30 years. OK, so then the following day, it comes out who actually was uh, blackmailing or attempting to blackmail Burhalter and the assistants. And it was Claudio Reina and his wife, although, again, so both of them deny that they were involved claudio denies i think all of it categorically his wife claims that yes the basics are true that she called ernie stewart the technical director and told him about the incident but the way she categorized or characterized the uh the conversation was much more of a personal nature not a a tattletaling so, as it were so the the undisputed part of that and we can talk about yeah. you know yeah the 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 details in a second but the undisputed part of that is that one Claudia Reyna was complaining to um, folks around U.S. soccer about um, uh, the treatment of Gio. Um, after the story about Gio came out, he said, you know, I don't want to hear any more comments. May have said mm -hmm. some things about, you know, well, Greg's not perfect, whatever. And then also Claudio and his wife, Danielle, had a conversation on December 11th on December 11th with Ernie Stewart where um Danielle Reyna mentioned the past incident with um Greg Burhalter and his then girlfriend and yeah. what what she said was that it was in the context of you know when he was that age he did something way worse and was forgiven and counseled and, and got over it. And it's not fair for him to be hanging this over, over, uh, over Gio's head. Yeah. So exciting. I mean, exciting, weird stuff. Um, yeah. Grace. The, I, the funny, I, the, yeah, the funniest please. thing about all this that I saw online, I can't even take credit for it, but somebody was like, what, is the more can you imagine a better way to bring down american soccer than mom and dad complaining about playing time to the coach <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's certainly uh, a good introduction for the rest of the world as to uh, what american soccer culture really is um <laughs> the relationships here are very important to spell out yes please it's very important to spell out the relationships uh, 
Greg and Claudio played high school soccer together for Claudio's dad as head coach. Greg then went to the University of North Carolina. Claudio Reyna went to Virginia. Greg uh, met his now wife at Virginia. Not sorry. He met his now wife at North Carolina, where she was a women's soccer player. Her roommate on the women's soccer team was a woman named Danielle Egan, whose name is now Danielle Reyna because she married um, Claudio Reyna and um, Claudio Reyna was, according to um, uh, a website, uh, some U.S. soccer official website that was writing about their history. Claudio Reyna was actually Greg's best man at his wedding. Um, Like when you listen to all this, doesn't it become just so, of course it is. There's a a little bit more. That American outlaws were the same three friends. Like fuck all these people. <laughs> well, well, so so Claudio Reyna is whatever sporting director, or GM, or whatever of Austin FC. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was twenty one. Austin FC took Greg Berhalter's son Sebastian on loan. Reina did not uh, did not exercise the option to buy, and uh, Sebastian uh, Burhalter now plays at uh, at Vancouver. Vancouver. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm only pointing that out to like just further explain like the the depths to which these people are connected. I'm not saying that like not picking up Sebastian Burhalter's option had anything to do with Gio Reina being benched at the World Cup. I just want to make that yeah, clear. Wait, I'm not. This, I'm not drawing a causal connection there at all. I'm just saying like I these mean, people are just wait. so intertwined. Is this I'll, also? I'll is draw this, the line. <laughs> is this also the part where we mentioned that Greg Berhalter's brother is the what is he the director of what is he the director of U.S. soccer or he no, he's, a, he's, he's an executive with MLS now. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah he was fine. the yeah, CEO sure. of U.S. soccer. Um, yeah, the other connections were uh, Brian McBride also worked in that office and Ernie Stewart, who were longtime teammates of Rainier and Berhalter. In uh, U.S. soccer president Cindy Parlo Cohn also played soccer at UNC. So if you wanted to make sure oh, they all were connected, Austin and, uh, FC Berhalter- coach Josh Wolf yes. was uh, was Berhalter's assistant both at Columbus and for the U.S. national team. <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if you were a time traveler and you wanted to end U.S. soccer, you could buy one clip and fly to one city, and you could have gotten it done twenty-five years ago. Like all these people are fucking related. Place, yes. Like they all either were at Virginia or Princeton or North Carolina. It's all the same group. It's all. It's like the Grateful Dead. It's all the same fucking song all the goddamn time. It literally is those three colleges, those three cities. Like that is that is 95% of American soccer. And I mean, look, I we've talked about this before. We talked about it with Pat Brennan for a while, which was like when FC Cincinnati showed up, they bucked the like MLS, you know, mobbed up family uh connections by going with the Dutch guys and it completely failed. And it makes sense that we would kind of go get the next generation of the mobbed up family with uh, the guys who all were assistants and sons of former I mean, national team coaches and and players for guys. I mean <laughs> But do you remember like do you remember that back when um the naming rights deal for TQL Stadium was going around? And we yes. ended up in a like FC Cincinnati ended up in a lawsuit 
with some sports marketing company that MLS had told FC Cincinnati to hire to sell the naming rights for TQL Stadium. And if you went and you looked back as to who the people were that ran this sports marketing company, (laughs) it was all like it was like the first commissioner of MLS and two former executives from MLS. It's like it is a mob. Like soccer is a mob and, uh, in this country. Just to spell that out, and I, I'm not connected at all to it, so I, I can, I can deal this dirt. Uh, FC Cincinnati paid something in the neighborhood of two to three million dollars to this agency to do a nationwide search for potential sponsors, and they came back with TQL, which is who anybody in Cincinnati could have accidentally picked, and uh, that is why they sued to get out of that, so yes. <laughs> but it's it's all the same shit with all this. It's like all these people are mobbed up. Like, the idea that Chuck Blazer was collecting all this fucking cash for being part of CONCACAF, mm-hmm. sure, all these people are just on a legal grip. It's all the same group of people that are all buddies with one another that keep profiting off soccer in America. Like, why does Kansas City have a World Cup bid? It's like, well, Lamar Hunt is part of the soccer mob in this country. The Hunt family <laughs> is part of the soccer mob in this country. The Kraft family is part of the soccer mob. Like All these people, it's the same fucking people that keep being responsible for soccer in this country. And then we wonder why shit never gets any better at like a national team level or why like MLS is still kind of fucked up in terms of like it's not yep. growing as fast as it needs to. It's because we just never change who's in charge of this shit. Yeah, and the the just way, the way that all the people that are involved in this story are like longtime friends going back decades, in some cases yes. going back to college and childhood, I think is a very important aspect to understanding the dynamics of what was going on from ran as parents okay because i want to say like it's 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 incredibly incredibly low to bring up you know your supposed friends 30 something year old domestic violence incident um as a way to their boss as a way to get back to them and or to their husband's boss rather uh, as a way to, you know, complain about your son's lack of playing time at the World Cup. Um, it's incredibly unfair to do that to uh, Greg's wife. But um, you could yeah. see you could see how it's a little different when you're not just calling up somebody's boss. You're venting to your good mutual friend and what and I'm not, I'm not making I'm not making excuses for it, but what yeah. what Raina's mom said was that she thought she was having a private conversation with with Ernie Stewart. Now that she could be covering her ass on that, she could be backtracking. But I just find it I find it a little interesting that like they had this conversation on December 11th. We find out about it through a statement from Greg on what January 3rd. Yeah, but he Where signed he, up for Twitter to post. He signed up for Twitter. Like he to signed post up for Twitter yeah. to post this, and it's it's terrible. It's terrible that 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 he felt that he had to do this or that he had to do this, um, because this is not something that that he and his wife should have to go through. But among the many many problems going on here, I think the fact that 
this very, very public thing is also just run by a circle of friends who have a, and the fr- the circle of friends group chat yeah. um, is, is running the entire organization. Yes. And they're running and venting <laughs> with each other and having, because the, the line of what is personal and what is, you know, professional between these people right. has to be completely blurred and impossible to, no, to right. sort out. And not only that, but like what I, I just, this nation, America, this glorious nation that can't elect a speaker of the house. What are we like? <laughs> 350 million fucking people in this country. 300 some odd million people in this country. And you are going to tell me with a straight face that the most qualified person to coach our soccer team is happens to be the buddy of the guy or the brother of the guy who is the most qualified person to run the National Soccer Federation. And like the most qualified person to play on this team is the son of his wife's college roommate. Like this is no knock on Gio. Gio seems like a phenomenally talented kid. He seems like he's in a tough situation because he's probably a little immature. He's letting mom and dad fight his battles instead of bringing the orange slices like they should. But like this little incestuous group, like to me, Greg Berhalter is a victim here. He's absolutely a victim. It sucks what they did. But the fact that they were able to do this means you have to fire Greg Berhalter. Like, you just have to fire him. And we need to break the cycle of the same small group of people, these, the, same, the, the group of people that could fit on a text thread running U.S. soccer. Like, I'm sitting here thinking now, how many kids and how many national team prospects are we missing on the youth side, the you whatever side? Because they're not part of the clique. They don't have mom and dad yeah. that can send a text message to Greg Berhalter or Ernie Stewart or any of they don't play for the right academy or the right, you know, right. U.S. soccer it's developmental a- club. Or they don't speak English because they live in a heavy Latino area that's just not mm-hmm. scouted or paid any attention to. I like, actually, like to me- I mean, Chief, to that point exactly, was it the U17 roster that came out uh, a couple of days ago? Only one kid not from a MLS academy, which is bizarre. If you ever look at youth national team rosters from like right. France and Germany and England, they're picking like fourth, fifth, sixth division clubs because they want to see what the best players look like across the entire country. So, yeah. You know who I would kill to get a reaction from right here is Clint Bunkett Dempsey. You know, Natchitoches, yeah. Texas, like a guy that's not part of the inner circle, ends up being arguably top, what, three or four best all-time American soccer player. Like You he's can make on an Mount, argument for one if you wanted. He's on, yeah. he's on the Mount Rushmore no matter where you think he's at. But it's like, how many other Clint Dempsey's are out there that we're just fucking missing because their mom and their dad can't send a tech, text message to the Burhalter family or the Reina family? or these other royalty families of American soccer. I'm sorry, we fought a fucking war back in the 18th century to not have aristocracy in this country, and yet we have running our soccer program a aristocracy, an, an aristocracy. It just, to me, I feel bad for Greg Berhalter, but everything that has happened as a result of this is it, just evidence that you need to go, your brother needs to go, and that the influence of this small group of people needs to be mitigated. And now I'm sitting here doing our podcast here, wondering if the real sin Jurgen uh, Klinsman committed was that he ran afoul of this mob and that they didn't want an outsider involved in any of this. I mean, that was definitely a part of, of why 
Jurgen was fired, and that's very much a part of the perception of Jurgen in a lot of circles. I'm not, I'm not saying he was a perfect guy or perfect coach or anything like that, but um, it definitely plays a part in how people think about him and 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 talk about him. And you know, as far as the people who were in charge of U.S. soccer, like I don't have a problem in a vacuum with Ernie Stewart you know, having a job there or Brian McBride having a job there or players, you know, finding their way into leadership positions in U.S. soccer. But when it ends up where it is just that's all it is and it's all people from the same generation Generation. and same friend group, you know, I'm not saying like stuff like this happens, but like stuff does happen and you need to have independent. You need to have independent people in organizations, right? Because you you need that. You need to have uh, you need to have that barrier where we're not dealing solely with with personal issues with our decision making. And we're dealing, you know, we're we're looking off the organization. We're trying to make dispassionate business decisions and maybe if that's maybe if you know somebody maybe if pep guardiola is the coach or uh i don't know somebody from from a european club is in ernie stewart's job you know maybe the reinas don't feel so at liberty to you know badger them over Right. Over over their over their son's playing time. Yeah, but, think, but but just 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 hear me out on this, and that it just needs to be new. And the reason why it needs to be new is that every aspect of American soccer is run like this. It's all the five families bullshit. MLS is five families bullshit. The league is still dominated by the old money heads that got into the league, and arguably, what's holding the league back. If you talk to anyone that follows this league is it's the original MLS investors that don't want to keep pace with the Arthur blanks who want to invest more money in the clubs. And even yep. as crazy as this sounds, the Carl Linders who want to spend more money on the clubs than like the OG people, um, us soccer still run by the old heads from that old generation of us soccer, um, CONCACAF and America's representatives to FIFA still run by these old heads that have been involved in American soccer forever. The American fucking outlaws, people that have been running the organization forever. It's this closed system that no one else ever breaks into. And if that's going to be the case, we're going to have the same problems and the same issues just keep getting recycled over and over and over again. And to me, this moment, this singular moment right here is a time to just hit the reset button and say, you know what? Everyone's out. And if you truly are the best, and your idea is the best, reapply for your jobs, and the best will eventually rise to the top. But the era of you just giving your friends jobs, and you giving your kids' friends jobs, and your friends' kids' jobs, just it has to fucking end. At some point, for American soccer to move forward, it has to end. It is just like, yes. it is a lot like FIFA, you know? And I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. you get you get organizations that have problems at the top, whether it's corruption or cronyism or incompetence or whatever. And 
I think a lot of times, like you see this with U.S. government, you see this with all types of problematic organizations across the country. You know, people like to sell themselves on the idea. Well, we just need to get, you know, different kinds of people in the jobs, right? We need to get former players in these jobs, but you haven't done anything to change the fundamental, you know, structure of the organization or the relationships between U.S. soccer and MLS and all the, you know, the, the academies that are part of the mafia system and all the players in the system, right? You haven't, yep. as, as Chief said, you haven't, you haven't nuked it, you know? So all you've done is put somebody else in the same position with the same pressures and incentives as, yeah. as the last person. Yeah. And the same, the same people supporting them, the same people you still need to make those relationships with because right. they're all still there. Right. Uh, yeah. It's one of those things too, where it's like, how have we not thought to add talent from other leagues in the United States, other federations around the world? Like there are so many, you know, English people that serve in various administrative roles around uh different nations federations just because they have experience they were low level clerks for the FA and now they can go teach i don't know Nepal how to help manage their their soccer federation because they can bring best practices and things like that you would think US soccer would have the ability and the money to go out and recruit the best executives the best club executives from the Premier League and the best league executives from you know American leagues and things like that and and start cultivating a, a solid foundation but instead it's it's this family and it's i mean in some ways it's kind of nice to see it all blow up finally like it this is like what every i don't know ussf conspiracy theorist has always accused u.s soccer of being and the mask slipped and we we got to see it a little bit a little bit more clearly um I'll also point out Sunil Gulati, vice president of FIFA in 2016, U.S. soccer president. So <laughs> we were we were mobbed up as well. Um, it's it's not something else we can point to. That was that was also us. Uh, so this is just a long so, way of saying Greg Berhalter for Speaker of the House. Yeah, that's that's fine. Fair enough. You know um, who I need to come to the defense of somebody in all of this though, Eric Winalda. Eric Winalda got a lot of shit during this entire saga, even going back to the World Cup. Looking back, I don't think he was wrong once. If anything, he was uh, guilty of of giving Claudio Rinia, I'm going to assume, uh, the straight juice that uh, Berhalter was holding out Gio and pretending he was injured. And it would kind of make sense that Berhalter would make up that excuse instead of saying he's being benched for his attitude. And uh, yeah, that's maybe the only crime you could accuse him of. But everything else he said was been dead right. So yeah, I don't I mean, know. Ronaldo was basically right. He was just he said what Claudia Arena had told him. That yeah. turned out to be basically true. I mean, you can quibble with some of his wording. Sure. Um, but like. I mean, look, after after the story on Geo came out and Greg's comments to that to that group, um, I thought there's no way that Greg could could continue as coach of the U.S. men's national team. 
um, under these circumstances. Um, I think, you know, Geo obviously acted poorly. I yeah. think in that situation, though, when you look at the way Greg handled it, the comments Greg made to the media, the comments Greg made to just random people that he had to know <laughs> were going to come out. I think Greg handled it worse. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you should, you should expect more of uh, what 48 year old. No older than that. Yeah. 53 year old man, 49, 49 year old man. I don't know. Okay. But versus, versus uh, at the time, 19 year old, uh, (laughs) young man. Right. Um, Raina's parents obviously acted poorly here. Um, so, you know, of those four, I don't know that, that none of them really comes out of this looking, (laughs) right. Looking very good. And Kevin made the point that, this to me is huge indication that they were intending on signing Greg Berhalter to a new contract and that this allegation and the story that was coming out about it caused U.S. soccer to back off for a second because Berhalter is working without a contract right now. They're about to go into January camp. If they were going to replace him, they would have done it already. And this is kind of the explanation for why he didn't get re-signed because the last thing, the only thing worse than this situation from a U.S. soccer perspective would be to sign him to a contract and then this news drop. And then the questions have to be asked as to, well, did you investigate this or what's going on with it? And I'll bet you that they're probably still a portion of the people that are involved in the building that are waiting for this to blow over to announce they're going to sign him back up for another contract. I, to me, that's fucking it certainly, insane. Yeah. It certainly feels that way because if they weren't going to, if they weren't going to sign, sign him to a new contract, there's absolutely no reason for this story to come out. He's out of contract. Yeah. Um, the day after the contract, the day after the contract expires, or essentially the the first business day after the contract yeah. expires, he creates a Twitter account. He pushes the statement out. Presumably, U.S. Soccer knew he was going to do that, and they announced they're doing they're doing this investigation. If if he's out of contract and you're just going to keep him out of contract, well, this could just this could have all just gone away. Right, right, right. No, no, I, I don't want to. I don't. I didn't want to know this. Like, right. I didn't want to. I didn't want to know this. And none of us. None of us should. None of us should know this. It is awkward, though, that U.S. Soccer is going to do this investigation when surely his brother knew about this when his brother was, I assume, somewhat involved in hiring him as the head coach. So. Hard to say U.S. soccer didn't know about it when the CEO had personal, intimate knowledge and, of and it. And again, I, I go back to this point, and I'll leave it at this, that there are 8 billion people on the planet. There are 350-some-odd <laughs> million Americans alive right now in this country. The idea that Greg Berhalter is such a supremely talented coach and irreplaceable <laughs> elsewhere, that it is worth an investigation and all this drama to retain him as head coach is fucking ludicrous. It's ludicrous. There are <laughs> thousands of soccer managers out there that don't have the baggage of being associated with the group text and the Reinas and the inevitable questions of, will you allow 
allow playing time to be influenced by your personal relationships with player parents and all this sort of thing, you could start fresh with a manager that is as good, if not better, almost unquestionably better and more qualified than Greg Berhalter. And you're not going to do it. Why? Because you are part of the ruling elite of American soccer and you are fucking Teflon when it comes to anything and any accusations coming against you. Jesus Christ. Uh, quickly around the horn, who do we think will be the next U.S. men's national team manager? I'm not even going to say wrong answers only because I feel like the only answers you can give are wrong. But who, who do we think would be the next Burhalter. manager? He's gonna keep, he will keep the job until there is a performance-based reason. And that would be like literally a Jurgen Klinsmann-style collapse. He, he will keep this job as long as he wants it or until the pressure becomes so great based on performance that U.S. soccer has to fire him. It's a job for life. Uh, I think the next time they play, the manager is going to be Anthony Hudson. Well, that's cheating because that is actually true. <laughs> but yeah, I actually, I actually think, I think if I had to bet, I'd say the betting favorite is Greg. Is Greg. Yeah. Um, will, by the way, yeah. this is the last thing I'm going to say on this topic. Please. Greg is currently scheduled to go live <laughs> tomorrow at noon with the Harvard Business Review. In some kind of live broadcast. And uh, is that going to? No there's chance. No way. None. There's no way, right? Unless there's the strictest embargo on questions. <laughs> right. It, everything's pre-written ahead of time. Maybe even pre-recorded and they pretend like it's live. Sure. Uh, I, uh, I think Caleb Porter will be the next head coach of the U.S. Men's National Team because I think U.S. Soccer will move on, but we'll still get the uh, the mobbed up family uh, decision there. So there you go. Uh, is that going to do it for the postcast? Did we finally make it through all of the drama and uh, FC Cincinnati news? So we look at us. Pro, do we need we promo codes off for this week? Uh, no, other than you should go to the website and join the Discord. Uh, there's a link there. And uh, shouts to everybody else who made it to two hours to find out that we hid a uh, a secret, uh, basically a secret link to the Discord if you made it two hours into the last podcast. Well done. But um, yeah, it's open for everybody now. So maybe we should run. Maybe we should like run a line of merch for our for our for our, for our, for our Bucky, that make for it. our Bucky gang. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the website gives us the ability to password protect certain pages. Like, like the post on the front and then like Bucky level member on the back or something. <laughs> we need to get we need to get someone to design like the Bucky's gas station beaver, but like a lion on the front of it right there. Yes, like Gary. Or, yeah, yes. yeah, Gary. <laughs> or a, a Gary you can plausibly deny. <laughs> Gary-ish, yes. <laughs> Oh no! Well, hey, if you uh, if you've got a design for us, let us know, and we'll run with it because I don't have anything else to do with it. So there you go. All right. Well, that'll be your postcast. Let's get out of here. Fuck Columbus.
All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please. Send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.